Hello and welcome to episode three of the Backseat GM Podcast. I'm Ben Roman. And I'm H-Town hero, Zach Spurduti. How you doing today, Zach? Feeling great, you know. Not as great as Harden's doing, but I'm doing I'm doing all right. <laughs> I mean, Harden's doing pretty good right now. He, he seems <laughs> to be having fun the last couple of days. He spent more than most businesses gotten um, loans from the government because of COVID in one weekend. So that's pretty impressive. I mean, what happens in Vegas? Doesn't stay in Vegas, apparently. It, it's not, at, least to, at least to TMZ and ESPN. That's what happens and in Vegas. now the Backseat GM podcast. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah. Let's go, let's go right into it. Uh, first off on the agenda, this week's beer that we've both enjoyed, the Kevin McAle. Zach, what's a beer that you enjoyed this week? So I had a beer this week. Um, and thank you for letting me go first on all these beer of the weeks. It really makes me feel great. And, you know, I get to hear the music playing as I start. and makes me feel really You trust me to lead the segment off with a banger. Yeah, of course, Zach. I mean, my full support goes out to you and your alcohol addiction. Okay. Well, I've only had one beer in the last couple of days, so that's a record low. Um, and this beer was actually a special beer from Goose Island. They come out with um, their barrel-aged um, rotation every end of year. And I'm in the fridge and lucky enough to have some. And... Um, out of the wine. So this one was the Kentucky Fog, and it, they infused uh, their base stout with black tea and honey, and it's never had a black tea, never had a tea beer, had very little honey beers in my life, and basically tasted like you put um, iced tea into a beer. So it's kind of weird, but it was kind of good. Iced tea and honey in a beer, that's, that's yeah. something. Wait, you said it was a stout? Yeah, they take their base stout and they infuse it with black tea and honey. Hmm. A, little, a little gray tea as well. So, hey, um, I might have to try that one. You should, and it's a little on the sweet side. I think it's a little too sweet. It'd be better if it brought out more of the bitterness of the tea with the bitterness of the stout. But it's a little too sweet for it, but it's an experience. Wow. Well, uh, my Kevin McAle... Uh, is an Einstock. Uh, I know you and I both enjoy Einstock uh, beers. I'm working my way through this six-pack right now that I got a total wine. Uh, it's the Icelandic Arctic Pale Ale. Uh, so the, the label reads, brewed 60 miles south of the Arctic Circle, balancing three kinds of hops with pure Icelandic water to create an ale unlike any other. Mm. And let me tell you, it's like jumping in an ice-cold frozen lake. It's like falling <laughs> through the ice ice fishing here in, in the old Wisconsin. Uh, enjoyable. I really do like it. I, I think I rated it like a 3.75 out of 5 on Beer Advocate, so very solid pale ale. Um, yeah. Would definitely recommend. Yeah, 3.75 for me on, on tap is kind of like that. It's like, okay, this is kind of what I expected. It's a good beer. Anything mm-hmm. more that's like, oh, it's special, or it's, eh. it's 3.75 is always a good good rating. 
You know, next time I drink it, though, and I rate it on Untapped, I'm going to have to bump it up to a four just because Einstock liked my post. Did they type skull? <laughs> that, that'd be, uh, no, they, they didn't, but they liked my post, so that made me, made me feel good. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. After our Kevin McHale... We move on to our airballing of grievances, the part of the show where we talk about something we need to get off our chest this week. First off, uh, something I need to get off my chest this week. Uh-oh. ESPN uh, released their top 100 NBA players' rankings. And my grievance, you know, doesn't really have anything to do with, you know, who they ranked and where. Like, we all expect... ESPN to come out with a shitty top 100 rankings year after year, mostly for clickbait. They get the fan favorites in there, like uh, Zion at number 19 as 19th best player in the NBA next season. Um, my 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 qual my qualm isn't really with that. It's um, more with the fucking audacity they have to put it behind a paywall when they know they're putting out that shitty of a product. the top 100 uh you know this is a yearly thing but like every year i just i'm just i I can't believe that they have the audacity to put it on espn plus like who is paying money to see zion ahead of paul george carl anthony towns kyrie irving trey trey young westbrook chris middleton kemba walker i mean and that's even before, you know, mentioning Lonzo Ball at number 54 and Tyler Hero at number 59 ahead of, like, DeMar DeRozan, Buddy Heald, Montrezl Harrell. Like, I, I just want I, – I want ESPN to be better. That's all I have to I say. Didn't even, then I didn't even read the list. I know, I know in the past their top ten, their top ten all times has just been horrendous. I'm just now finding out. I'm looking it up right now. It is indeed behind a paywall, and that's absolutely fucking ridiculous. <laughs> it's unbelievable. I, I think, uh, yeah, they they put Trey Young ahead of Chris Middleton, which you know, and Andrew Holiday, which I think is ridiculous. Like, if you're the Bucks, would you take Trey Young over Chris Middleton or Drew Holiday? I, I don't. I don't think you do in any in any scenario. Unless you don't take defense into account whatsoever. For one season or for? For next year. It's it's supposed to be for next year. Yeah. Like a projection for, like, these yeah. players. Ridiculous. I don't think Middleton can do what Trey can do in terms of um, uh, bringing an offense together, but that's not what the top 100 is. It's not the top 100 guys to lead a team. It's the top 100 guys who are great at their position. Right, so. like, Trey Young is more of an offensive driver than Chris Middleton is. Like, if you put Trey Young and Chris Middleton on a bad team in a vacuum, Trey Young would probably get more counting stats. But he gets Chris Middleton's a better player. Like, yeah. he's a better for a good team. He's, you know, efficient. He, you know, plays solid defense. Trey Young was literally the worst defender in the NBA last year by – most metrics. So, like, there's no way around that. In, in any case, it's not even what I'm here to talk about. 
the audacity ESPN has to put that behind a paywall is just beyond me, that garbage that they're releasing. I agree. Um, my errant grievances this week isn't as passionate as it has been in weeks past just because I'm just so fucking done with the whole James Harden saga. <laughs> like, I would not mind Marco Bellinelli and a second rounder in 2019 or 20 for him right now at this point. Just I'm just done. I'm wearing an H-Town shirt. I went to Academy, wanted to get the new city edition. Rep the old. I saw a Harden one, and I said, no, I'm going to get one without a name on the back because you know what? I support Houston. I support everything about Houston, okay? Except for James Harden. <laughs> I, just, I don't understand it. Um, you hear a report last week where it's like, oh, he liked the he liked the John Wall sign. Yeah, he oh, preferred it's... John Wall over Russell Westbrook. That was like the whole like deal. I think that John Wall is going to be would be better fit if James Harden stays on the Rockets because he's going to be he's a better shooter. He's going to be more passive coming off the injury. He's going to get his feet wet, and you'll let James Harden take over the show. But if James Harden leaves, now I kind of wish Westbrook stayed. As much as you know, from a pure basketball standpoint, I both I both I want both of them out of town because of the way they um, think Houston's a piece of shit, and it's not. So you know, I want them out for that reason. But just from a pure objective basketball scenario, if you if Harden's giving you every indication that he's going to be staying, I love the John Wall signing, but. If he's giving you every situation, then he reneges on that, and he says he's going to leave. Now you're stuck with John Wall to lead a team. It's going to be more work in progress leading a team because he's more of a he's done it before. So it's just interesting where I'm just kind of fucking done with it all. And um, I was actually kind of excited to see how hard it would fit with these with these new guys, and um, but now I'm not. So. I don't know, trade him to a contender. Well, if he, they trade him to a contender, then that contender is going to be worse with him there because they're going to be giving up pieces that made them a contender to begin with. So, Unless you're Brooklyn. If you, unless you're Brooklyn. Unless you're Brooklyn, yeah. But what does Brooklyn have to give? Besides well, they're just, going to throw the, they're just going to throw the whole, you know, poo-poo platter at Houston, just give them all their young guys and just give them everybody but Kyrie and Durant. Basically, and would that Jordan. Be a contract. What? Would match the contract? Yeah, I mean they've put together like potential scenarios where like they give away like Dinwiddie and um like a bunch of their other like role players like Joe Harris. Like, Joe Harris just signed a new deal, and then you like give them all the young players like Levert and um all the picks basically for the foreseeable future. I mean, if we get Levert and Harris and Dinwiddie, along with kind of, you know, Christian Wood, John Wall, DeMarcus Cousins, Eric Gordon, P.J. Tucker, I mean, that's that's a bunch of pieces that I'm not sure will fit together, but a bunch of good players. So um, if we can get a haul like that, then that'd be pretty pretty cool. But much leverage Houston has, but he's on a contract for two years. So, you know, how much leverage does Harden have? But it's, it's a player's league these days. Anyway, we're done. I don't want to talk about Harden for the rest of the fucking podcast. <laughs> Even though I'm the one who brought it up. Yeah, me, me neither. Uh, let's move on to uh, the main news segment of the podcast uh, today. As kind of uh, we alluded to at the end of last podcast, we're going to talk about the Clippers drama that's kind of been aired out over the last week or so. Um, so basically, 
Paul George jumped on an interview show with Matt Barnes, and I think it's Steven Jackson. Uh, they host some, I think it's like a podcast or show. Um, and he jumped on this to kind of like bring in his side of the story of what happened with the Clippers this season. However, um, not so coincidentally, it happened to fall on the same day as a piece that dropped at theathletic.com, uh, which was kind of supposed to bring to light a lot of the Clippers locker room troubles that seemed to center around Paul George and Kawhi Leonard uh, as leaders or not leaders of the locker room there. Um, so... The Athletic article listed uh, a number of special treatments that uh, both Kawhi Leonard and Paul George received um, last year that the team didn't exactly take too kindly to, like the rest of their teammates. Um, So some of these special treatments included uh, these two being the only ones with their own personal security guards and trainers, Um, having power over team practices and travel schedules, which led teammates to believe that Leonard canceled many practices throughout the year. Uh, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George both refused to speak to the media for at least 45 minutes following games under the guise that they were doing post-game treatments or workouts. Um, This resulted in a lot of their teammates speaking with the media first and for longer, uh, making them essentially the public voices of the team um, throughout the year, which kind of left a weird dynamic between, you know, the supposed superstars, leaders of this team, and these role-player guys who, you know, had basically, you know, had success in the past on their own. Uh, You know, they had – who who was it? Was it it the Warriors that they took – like deeper into a series, I think it was uh, the year before with you know Pat Beverly and it was the worst. They took him to six games, and that yeah. was when Lou Williams. If Lou Williams had a thirty-five point night, they were winning. And if Lou Williams had a ten point night, they were losing. Yeah, exactly. So these guys have already had success in the past, and then Paul George and Kawhi Leonard come in, and you know are supposed to be the leaders for these guys, but then they basically just kind of set to the stay to the side, do their own thing. Um, and let these guys basically be the voices of the team still, which is a little bit of a weird dynamic. Uh, Another uh, additional um, special treatment that they got was both Leonard and George had the ability to pick and choose when they played. And so this even at times included accepting or declining playing time in the moment during games. So, like, if Doc would call one of them up to the plate, they'd just be like, ah, I don't really feel like playing right now. I'm not, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna, you know, come into the game. So, I mean, this is a very strange dynamic with these two uh, superstars who were obviously friends beforehand, um, and then the rest of this team, which was, you know, already successful, and then now they're kind of feeling kind of resentful that you know these guys can just walk in here and George without any like real like playoff success prior and then just acting like they they run things. Um, So these are the things that The Athletic mentioned. Um, It also noted how George and Leonard 
didn't ever make much of an effort to build relationships with the rest of the guys throughout the season. Uh, they both kind of had, like, their friends on the team that they, like, it was, like, a very small circle. Um, and then so then the rest of the guys are kind of just feeling, like, a little bit, like, disconnected from their superstar players. Um, so this is what The Athletic reported. George uh, hops on this interview podcast show with Barnes and Steven Jackson and first off talks about how his shoulder surgery surgery over the summer the year prior was a major reason why his chemistry was hurt with the rest of the guys on the roster. So he basically said that uh, his surgery made him join the team late and they're already kind of vibing at that point in the season and um he basically blamed it on that for why he didn't really connect or build relationships with the rest of his teammates second of all and probably the more like i don't know bold of him was basically throwing doc rivers under the bus for the majority of the interview um He basically said that Doc made zero adjustments during the playoffs and misused him throughout the season. He, like, mentioned Doc used him in kind of like a Ray Allen, J.J. Redick role, which are, you know, obviously two players at shooting guard that Doc has had in the past as key players, Ray with the Celtics and J.J. with the Clippers. Um, He said he didn't get enough uh, variation in looks on offense to get into a rhythm. Like he said, I should be running more pick-and-roll plays, and I should be, you know, getting stuff in the post. And uh, it it was actually funny because a writer at The Ringer kind of quote-tweeted one of the videos on Twitter and said, um, Paul George actually ran a career-high 33% of pick-and-roll plays this season uh, with the Clippers. The next closest was 25% with the uh, Oklahoma City Thunder. So, he ran more of those type of looks that he's talking about than any other time in his career, and yet he's still saying that Doc didn't really, like, work him into the offense well enough. And, you know, 33% pick and roll is a far cry from where Ray Allen was at with the Celtics at that point in his career and where J.J. Redick, you know, has always been as a player, you know, whether with the Clippers or the Sixers. So um, that's kind of pathetic. Um And then he also talked about how during the playoffs, the conversation with leadership on the team, you know, which is obviously directed at the coaching staff, was we're going to be all right when they were, like, coming back, when they were, like, struggling against the Nuggets, when it should have been, in his words, you know, we need to change things. So basically he said that Dax was complacent the whole series and didn't make any adjustments. He also offhandedly mentioned that the team barely practiced at all during the year, um, which is a bit ridiculous considering, you know, the athletic reports that Paul George and Kawhi Leonard had basically control of the practice schedule and everything. Um, And so this is what he says during the interview. Doc Rivers then ends up responding when asked about it and says, you know, Ty Lue was sitting right next to me the entire year, so I, I hope he doesn't expect much drastic changes this year. Uh, because, of course, Lou was an assistant coach on Rivers' staff and is now the head coach of the Clippers for this upcoming season. Uh, so that's a lot to unpack. Uh, 
what, what are your initial thoughts on this whole saga? I think, you know, big picture. It all boils down to there are a lot of teams chasing Kawhi Leonard, and Kawhi Leonard was coming off a 30, 10, and 7 playoffs. Those are like those are like Kobe numbers against in the uh, with Powell. Like he, Kobe was like 33, 11, and six or something like that. Like these, these are those are legendary numbers, and he really it's just like okay, you get you whatever you you have to get to get Kawhi, you're gonna get a championship. Kawhi will bring that championship pedigree. Um, I, I definitely want to talk about that with you. Whether you know how much of the championship pedigree and Toronto was attributed to Kawhi versus Kyle Lowry, but Back to this for a second is that you know any team is going to let Kawhi do whatever he does just to get in there, and you're like, I don't think he's going to do all that stuff. I don't think he's really going to do all that kind of stuff. Is Echo Dennis really asking for you know courtside seats to every boxing match? Like, is this really what we're doing? Uh, okay, we'll do it. Um, we fucking, I mean, we got to compete with L.A. We're gonna. You see, Bomber's a ballsy guy. He's going to try to you know, L.A.'s Laker town. He's they're building a new stadium. They're trying to they're trying to make a splash. So. I think they agreed to a lot of this stuff, but they didn't actually expect him to actually do it because they're like, this is fucking ridiculous. Then he actually does it. I mean, I, I don't blame the Clippers for allowing him to do all this stuff. He let the player choose what he wants to do, but fuck. Like, it's I, it just like it's so fucking selfish to think that um, you're that good of a player. Um, you know, I don't know. It's like, like if a boss has a corner office and everyone else is in a cubicle – you don't res- and then he never takes you guys to lunch. It, you don't respect them as much. You gotta, you gotta, you know, even though they're grown men getting the paycheck, you gotta, you gotta treat them like humans. So, I, I think this is it's the Clippers' fault for letting him run with it, but it's also the it's also Kawhi and you know, Kawhi had more entitlement to this than Paul George, but it's on both of them to set a better fucking example. Like, yeah, Kobe, even LeBron. LeBron sets a sets a an example, like he had this story about how him and, Col- and Ka- uh, Kyrie uh, were just putting up shots, like while the whole team was watching. And I read that's more dedication than the whole team waiting on you for to get to a fucking bus. So um, there's different different levels of leadership, and uh, it's embarrassing to have this come out uh, if I'm Kawhi or Paul George. Also, and then also that's that. And then going off of Paul George's interview, it's just. Um, you know, I, I I don't know if he thought no one would fact check him or no one was listening, but what he was saying, like you said about the the pick and roll numbers, like it's just, and I don't really know what Paul George was trying to accomplish on that call, but he definitely didn't get the response he was looking for, and um, I don't know. Well, I think it's like like you said, like Kawhi to an extent, you know, obviously. Every superstar gets special treatment. Like, that's no secret. That's kind of the rule of the NBA, like, more so than any other American sport, basically. Um, So I get, get, like, getting special treatment to an extent when you've earned it like that. And Kawhi's earned it. He led a team to a championship last year. He was the hottest commodity on the market, uh, you know, last season. And... You know, you do whatever you can from a Clippers perspective to keep him happy. Paul George, on the other hand, like, while I get that he was necessary to get Kawhi there, like, he has not earned that, right, you know, to that extent. And, you know, something I even forgot to mention, uh, 
Leonard was allowed to live in San Diego for the entire season, so he was often late for team flights, like, consistently. So the rest of the team had to wait for him to, like, get to the tarmac whenever they had to go somewhere, like, because he's commuting from San Diego all the way to, you know, I'm sure they're taking off from LAX. So, like, there's just levels to this, which are, you know, you got to be a better leader if you're Kawhi. Like, I get he's not, like, the most vocal person, but, like, you lead by example. Like, you can be a leader in other ways than just being, like, a vocal part of the team. If he doesn't want to talk to the media as much, like, okay, fine. You still have to, like, give it some kind of effort, though. You can't be waiting 45 minutes after the game and, like, making your role players do most of the talking. Like, having Pat Beverly, Lou Williams, Montrezl Harrell out there, like, with, with, with the stuff that leaked about this, like, I... All of a sudden, it makes complete perfect sense why Montrezl Harrell would want to, like, go to the Lakers. Like, even if, like, the Clippers, you know, offer him something similar, like, just to get out of that environment. Like, I get, like, LeBron can be a lot sometimes. He he has his own ego that he, you know, has and that teammates have to deal with. But, like, at least he seems to be, like, a leader on the court, you know, and his teammates respect him, and he, you know, like you were saying with him and Kyrie, like, getting shots up and, like, practicing a lot, and, like, Kawhi and Paul George, like, they talk about not practicing a lot during the season, or at least George does, but then you have entirely control of, like, when you practice and, like, how many times you practice, basically. Like, and then to throw Doc Rivers under the bus is, like, just the cherry on top. It's – Paul George is pathetic. Like, I don't know what Kawhi would have to say about, like, this interview or whatever, if he would agree with all of George's points, but he certainly hasn't helped himself by, you know, staying completely silent on it either. I, I think, leading by example, he could do all those things. He could put up shots and all that stuff, but at the end of the day – the lead by example is win a championship and not score 10 points in, in game seven when you're up 3-1. That's leading by example is closing the Western Conference, um, you know, the Western Conference semifinals out. Um, so I think that that's, you know, this all could be avoided. This could be like, oh, Leonard's just one of those guys who, you know, he's he's like Jordan, you know, Jordan needed all these things. and But they still won. It could have been like that, but it's not. It, all these um, be, be asked if you don't win a championship, you know. And even if you don't win a championship, just the human element of uh, treating these guys like shit, treating the organization like shit. Um, it's just, it's just not a cool, not a cool look. And you know, to not want to talk to the media, the media, you know, partly pays his bills. But obviously, he earns everything he has. But without the media, he doesn't, you know. I don't know. So. He doesn't have that status as as much. Like if if the media doesn't pay a player attention, like. You're losing a wide chunk of your audience. But I, I kind of disagree with, like, I don't know if you meant to say this, but, like, how you have to be a vocal or you have to have a vocal leader on your team to win a championship. Because, like, that wasn't, like, Tim Duncan style. Um, no, I meant, like, you don't have to do anything. Like, the leading by example in terms of all, you could do all this shit, but the thing you have to do is win. Oh, so yeah. He, he could be silent, he could be quiet, but you can't lose a 3-1 lead and then expect to – have this kind of 
legendary, you know, uh, walking aura. on water kind of aura. Exactly. So that, that was what I meant is that you can not talk, you can do all this shit, but at the end of the day, you got to close out a 3-1 lead. That's yeah. that's by example. Yeah. And and not, you know, throwing your coach under the bus, too. Would, right. Would, is, is leading by example, you know, like – Take some personal responsibility. Like, George leads off the interview saying, like, well, it was because of my injury that I couldn't, like, find my chemistry with my teammates. And then he goes and blames the coach. Like, it's no accountability from himself. You know, he says, like, in the very end, like, we weren't good enough to win or whatever. But, like, he's insinuating that, you know, it wasn't his fault they weren't good enough to win. It it was the coaching or whatever. So Also – being used like Ray Allen or J.J. Reddick, I guarantee you they're not going to get the side of the fucking backboard in the fourth quarter of a playoff game. At game seven, you're not going to get the – they're not going to – Ray Allen and J.J. Reddick aren't going to get the side of the Yeah, somebody put that uh, clip of him hitting the side of the backboard next to Ray Allen uh, drilling the game six game winner (laughs) in the corner, and it was like, you know, he may be used like Ray Allen, but he sure doesn't execute. (laughs) And he's not even being used by Ray Allen. Like, Ray Allen has not ISO plays. I mean, like, because. sure, early in his career, like, he was more of, like, an on-ball threat. But, like, by the time you know, Celtics with Doc Rivers, he was more of a, you know, tertiary scorer in that Doc, offense. He's so, damn good at it. You don't see Paul George running, like, a mile in the half court every single play. Like, right, he's not, running, he's not running around screens like J.J. Redick is, like, every game. Like, it's... It's just ridiculous. I mean, I don't know what George expects when he's on a team with Kawhi Leonard who's going to dominate the ball a lot, too. Like, he can't have the ball in his hands for, you know, 80% of all possessions like he did with the Pacers. Or, like, I mean, he should know with Westbrook. Like, Westbrook, I mean, distributed more. But, like, still, like, Westbrook is a guy who needs the ball in his hands, too. So, it's just – it's – a whole whole lot of ridiculousness coming out of uh, the Clippers locker room. That doesn't look very promising for this upcoming season, considering, like, I mean, maybe Ty Lue is better at managing the personalities, but, like, like Doc said, he was sitting next to him the whole year. Like, the scheme isn't going to be drastically different from what Doc ran. Like, Ty Lue had a very big say on a lot of, you know, the schemes as well as every assistant coach does. So, yeah. And, you know, maybe Ibaka will be kind of a calming influence for Kawhi and um, not calming, but more of a stable, you know, bringing back that that familiarity um, and kind of being the one guy who could talk to him, like they did a cooking show together. Like, I don't know, maybe Kawhi feels that an Ibaka can kind of convince him to do certain things because Ibaka seems like a real people person and a guy who cares about people and guys who, care, care, guys who care about socializing with people. So maybe Ibaka on that team will, um, you know, bring more of the steely uh, focus Kawhi. And so we'll see. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, I've, I've said this many times, but – like, if Kawhi stayed with the Raptors, I bet they'd win again this past season. Like, I bet they could have beat the Lakers. Because, like, that team, the Raptors had a culture, and they were, like, they were so in sync. Even if, like, they didn't have the same level of, like, actual talent as, like, this Clippers team, which, you know, had a lot of talent between Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, you know, Lou Williams, Montrose Harrell, um, and then a ton of, like, you know, very 
good supporting cast. Like, granted, they didn't have, like, maybe the fit wasn't the best with some of the pieces. Like, they didn't really have a traditional point guard. But, like, if you keep that same Raptors team together with Kawhi, like, a lot of their issues in the half court that they ran into in the playoffs, like, they cease to exist anymore. Like, Leonard was the guy for them who could just get a tough bucket whenever they needed it, whenever, like, the offense kind of went stagnant. And then you don't have to have Pascal Siakam as your number one option trying to create in the half court, you know? You have him playing off Kawhi, and then you have Lowry, and, you know, you have all these, like, pieces that fit together and a good coach who can make adjustments and, like, you know, throw whatever it is necessary at a team. Like, Doc Rivers isn't completely, you know, free of blame here. Like, you know, he is known for – he's kind of like Mike Budenholzer where he's not exactly known for making a lot of adjustments in the playoffs. He kind of rolls with what he has, which is, you know, depends on the team and the coach, like whether that works out. Um, certainly doesn't work out for the Bucks with Budenholzer. And, and, you know, you could argue that Doc had a lot of talent with the Celtics and, you know, it was – kind of his his finals to lose at that point. But I just think that if Leonard really wanted to win, he'd be in Toronto. So it's not all that surprising to me that this didn't work as well as a lot of people build it, solely based on the fact that, you know, Kawhi, his whole heart wasn't into actually, like, winning. And more, like, he wanted to live in L.A. And, you know, he got he got the money he wanted and... And all that, so. Well, I don't know about the Raptors team, but definitely a better defensive team and than, than the Heat. Um, so the Heat were scrappy on defense. They've been, you know, when you got Kawhi, um, Ibaka, Gasol, and Lowry, that's a pretty, it's, they're just a bunch of great two-way guys, so. And, and even Van Vliet. Van Vliet is a good two-way guy, too. Exactly. So it would have been definitely interesting. It would have been a better, probably a seven-game series. Right. The Heat took them to six. So, And then they actually have a player that can defend LeBron or AD with Kawhi. So take away one of those guys, and something becomes a whole lot harder for the Lakers. I think the Lakers really sets up their, their whole vibe in the playoffs. Like, you could just see AD. Like, he almost, like, probably, like, lost, like, 10 or 15 pounds from the regular season in the playoffs and just – so I don't know if the Lakers are just playing just a great team basketball. So they were. That's, that's what the Raptors do, but that's too. So would yeah. fun. I agree. So that uh, that wraps up our main topic of the show today. Um, next, we'll move on to a very special segment of the show, something near and dear to all of our hearts: uh, <laughs> the Delhi Desktop. Oh, love that music, baby. Gotta give that guy some credit on the on the podcast. Shout him out every now and then. Um, so my daily desktop, you know, not not much news. You know, we covered we covered the big daily news. So I'm gonna I'm gonna take a little deeper dive into the old deli. I'm gonna I'm gonna go deep in the old the old meat refrigerator, meat freezer, pull out some some deli slices for you here. So I was wondering where that was going. <laughs> 
<laughs> in the 2015-2016 playoffs, Ben, players that played at least 10 minutes on the Cavs, so li- uh, sorry, lineups that played at least 10 minutes together in the 2015-2016 playoffs, and this lineup played 77 minutes together, which was the second most used lineup by the Cleveland Cavaliers in the 2015-2016 playoff run, which was also their championship run. So guess the lineup. This is also kind of like a little bargain bin before the bargain bin. But, but just guess kind of the lineup that had the had the um, the best net rating. Well, playing the minimum, playing a minimum of ten minutes. Delhi. Delhi's one. Yeah. Is one. Okay. You don't have to get it, but it's just fine. Okay, so, so Delhi, LeBron, is LeBron yep. in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jr. Yeah. Kelly LeBron Jr. No, 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 sorry, not not Jr. Oh, Kevin Love. No. Tristan Thompson. No. Timothy Mozgov. No. <laughs> it's it's uh, Matthew Dellavedova, um, Iman Shumpert, R.J. LeBron James and Channing Frye. So mm. what's interesting to note is it's kind of the bench unit. Kind of, and LeBron James is in this lineup, so it's not like the up twenty, up down twenty bench unit. It's the bench unit that comes in in kind of niche moments throughout the game, and they were able to keep 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 things going. So this well, was LeBron the, may have been in the lineup, but we all know who the real leader of the bench unit was. So, oh. and one of the, you know you're asking like, wait a minute, like we know LeBron is good, but why did Delhi take them over the top? And I have a stat for you before we close out this segment. Daly's assist to turn turnover ratio in that playoff run then was four. Yeah. Well, hours in twelve minutes a game, which was tied for sixth best out of hundred and seventy nine eligible players. It's part of the reason why he signed that huge uh huge deal with the Milwaukee Bucks to become their starting point guard. So So this goes back to our overall point. Why why have Quinn Cook you can have Matt Elvadova. Quinn Cook. But Quinn Cook has been on the Warriors championship runs and the Lakers championship run at this point. There's no reason that our boy shouldn't be in there. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more, Zach. Uh, yeah, that's that's some that's a great deli tidbit, tidbit, a great little deli slice of the day. Um, now we uh, are moving on to our mailbag portion of the show uh, where we answer some listener questions that we get. Uh, first off, from at SportsNut6. This is a Bucks fan. Will Tony Snell return to the Bucks? This is a two-parter. Will Tony Snell return to the Bucks? A. And who will wrestle on the Bucks this season with Robin Lopez leaving? So for those of you who are not aware, uh, the Bucks had like a little pregame ritual where uh, Robin Lopez was, you know, took the brunt of a lot of WWE-style wrestling matches between him and a number of other players, usually Giannis and Wes Matthews. Occasionally another player would uh, join in. But, uh, yeah, Robin Lopez was always the – the always always the comic relief. He was always on the ground, like taking all the taking all the punches. So the question is, who will replace him on the roster? Um, well, I know who will be. I know who will be the new initiator of these uh, of these wrestling matches. Can, can you take a guess who that is, Zach? Tony Snell. 
<laughs> how about Bobby Portis? Oh, I saw your tweet about how Bobby Portis was he's kind yeah. of an agitator, kind of a kind of a guy who's locked in. Yeah, he, he's real locked in. Uh, as I'm sure a lot of you know, you know, Bobby Portis was the uh, initiator behind punching <laughs> Nico Miritich in the face when he was with the Bulls, uh, and that led to quite the controversy. Um, but the tweet that Zach is referring to, back in college, there was a uh, an article that got released about Bobby Portis where he said that to prepare for games, uh, he pictures his opponents slapping his mom in the face in order to get uh, hyped up. So I could definitely see him doing that prior to these WWE matches and really, you know, taking it out on like a poor DJ Wilson or something. Um, <laughs> um, along with him fighting mascots. Um, as far as Tony Snell goes, Tony Snell is dealing with an inflamed foot. Um, so, um, you know, Tony Snell on his best day would be a great fit on any NBA team, but Tony Snell's best day um, is a very rare occurrence. You take that back. <laughs> you take that back. <laughs> he had a perfect shooting night with the Pistons. He's like a nine. Yeah, he had a perfect shooting night with the Bucks, and he went zero for fucking zero. Zero 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 in twenty seven minutes or something. Yeah, it was. So, that was that was, that was uh, pretty good. But uh, <laughs> Tony Snell, you know, maybe maybe he'll sign a, a vet man at some point. Maybe we can shed this DJ Wilson contract and maybe sign sign the Snellster to the vet man. The only problem is, you know. The Bucks in travesty of decision making uh, actually gave away Tony Snell's number to Drew Holiday, number twenty-one. So that's disappointing. Kind of brings down the chances of Snell returning. Kind of hoping that number would be retired, but unfortunately, that's not the case. Uh, moving on to the next question we have from Noah. Why is Giannis waiting to sign the extension? Do you think he still will? I don't know. I really thought that this was a done deal. I thought, you know, he's a small market guy. He's a guy who's committed, you know, he's, he's a guy who's committed to the Bucks. He's Every interview he's ever had, every question he's ever had, it's, I'm coming back, I'm coming back. But that's how it was with Brady. Brady, you know, filmed a fucking Super Bowl commercial in Gillette Stadium saying I'm not going anywhere. So, um, you never know what can happen. Um, I think at this point, whether he's going to sign or not, I think it's just kind of a, like, you're at training camp, you're playing, you're playing balls with, ball with your bros. I think kind of wrap that up and you guys just focus on the season just from like an objective outsider's point of view, but maybe he's still thinking about it. Maybe he's, maybe it's just like a done deal anyway. He's just maybe he's kinda, thinking about years. Maybe he doesn't want to sign the full max. Maybe he wants to like give it like a, a three-year extension or something like that. You never know. But yeah. I mean, from my perspective, it's like there was some, there was some stuff that was like circulating around the internet today. That was like, you know, they took a quote that he said out of context where he said that I'm not thinking about the extension right now. I'm focused on playing or whatever. And a lot of outlets are running with that as like, oh, he's not even considering the Supermax extension right now, whatever. Um, but 
in the greater context of what he was saying, he was saying that he's not the type of guy who talks to his agent every week and, like, he's, like, leaving it up to the front office and his agent to, like, work out the details or whatever. Don't ask me how, like, why it's taking this long, but, like, other comments he made during the same interview were how much he loved the Drew Holiday acquisition, how excited he was for the season, um, talking about how he didn't think that, like, like it was a championship or bust season for them, like, alluding to, like, you know, it didn't, like, ultimately matter in his decision whether, like, the Bucks actually won it all this year. So... Like, he wouldn't say that it's not a championship or bust season if he was planning on leaving or was, like, truly considering other options, I don't think. So, like... Why, why would he put in all this... Why would he put in all this effort to to dissuade people thinking he's leaving if he's if he's going to end up leaving anyway? You know, why, why go... Right. To help him to just drag it out. Either way, though, how does it help him to drag it out if he's staying? How does it help him drag it out if he's leaving? If he's leaving... He just um, came back from Greece, too. Like, he was literally, like, in Greece for the longest time and wasn't, yeah, like... Think, he's thinking about it while he's in Greece. Of course, of course he was. I'm sure, you know, who wouldn't? But, like, it's only been a couple days since he's returned, and it was just his birthday, and, like, he's focusing on, you know, getting back in the swing of things with, you know, training camp and everything. So, uh, you know, I... I well, I'm just saying, like, I don't think that it's, like, super, like, time to panic yet when it comes to, like, will he or will he not sign the extension by the deadline, which is, like, December 21st, I think. So, okay. he's still got a full wrap, 12 days. All right, before we wrap it up, what, when, what December date will you start getting worried, like, December fifteenth, December sixteenth, like what? What's what's your day when you're like, fuck? Or is if, it already? If, happened? if it's if it's like, no, it's not already happened. I literally just got through explaining why it's not okay. already happened. Okay. If it's like, if it's like three days before the deadline, I'll start getting worried a little bit. But like before that, I mean, he's got a lot of time here to like have his agent figure out whatever they need to figure out with the front office. Like, who knows what? Is going on there? So but December eighteenth, you're not worried. So December December seventeenth at eleven fifty nine p.m. Not worried. As soon as the clock strikes, December eighteenth. Yeah, if I don't get a watch, if I don't get a watch bomb on my phone by eleven fifty nine, I'm gonna I'm gonna lose it. Okay. I'm gonna lose it. Serenity now. All right. Uh, okay. Our last listener question comes from Sam. Uh, can you name a couple fantasy sleepers? I need beer money. So I, I I did a little bit of research on this because I fantasy basketball is like it's it's so it's I mean it's just it's so overcomplicated for me. I prefer fantasy football personally, even though I'm more of a basketball fan than a football fan. Like fantasy football is more simplified. It's like week to week. You don't have to constantly be like changing your lineups and stuff. I tried fantasy basketball for like a couple years in a row with zero stakes with no money. And I just, I couldn't get into it. And maybe that's just cause it had no money in it. And I'm motivated by, by cash because cash rules everything around me. But um, I, I went and I went and did a little research here and came up with some players who I think will have bounce back years. Um, I couldn't tell you where they're ranked as far as fantasy like, they're definitely fantasy sleepers, but I, I couldn't tell you where they'd be, like, on a draft board. So 
if you see these guys, they're still available, and you like what I have to say here about them, maybe you'll consider taking them over other guys who are in that range. But uh, first off, I have Laurie Markkinen, who a lot of people have just kind of forgotten about, uh, which can't blame them with uh, Jim Boylan being the coach for this long. Uh, but Boylan's out now, and they got Billy Donovan in. Uh, Markkinen kind of uh, fits the mold of, like, the Danilo Gallinari role that Donovan used in Oklahoma City, and I think he's a player with better potential than him. Uh, he's still really young, and they are talking about in training camp how, you know, they're trying to make him, like, the focal point of the offense. Uh, so maybe that hurts Zach Levine's stock a little bit. I don't think it hurts Zach Levine's stock a lot because he's going to put up shots regardless, I'm sure, unless they trade him. Uh, but ex- I would expect Larry Markman to have a bounce-back year. He's kind of got, like, 20 and 10 potential on any given night uh, if he's clicking. So uh, he's one guy I uh, kind of have here. Second guy I have, Josh Richardson, who's moving from – one of the league's worst offenses to the league's literal best offense by an astronomical amount. Uh, it can't hurt having Luka Doncic as the guy who's getting you the ball constantly. Um, Steph Curry certainly uh, benefited, and uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. benefited kind of in that shooting guard role next to Doncic. Uh, so Richardson, while not maybe quite the offensive, you know, score that those two are, I think he can definitely get his stats back up to a pretty good place uh, in that high-octane offense. Um, and he's just, he's just a, you know, a better fit than he was with Philly because Philly, like, the spacing is so bad. Like, Richardson's not the guy who can fix your spacing. Like, he's a really good complementary player who can, you know, slot in on a lot of good teams. Um, but he's not, like a knockout, like, off-the-dribble three-point shooter. So, like, putting him in that role at shooting guard where, like, J.J. Redick had succeeded in the past is not, you know, a beneficial situation for him. So he's going to have a big boost, I think, this year from a situation standpoint. The final guy, which I just mentioned that I have kind of here, is Seth Curry, um, who was kind of playing a bench role with the Mavericks, put up some good stats still in that role, but now he gets a starting gig with Philadelphia um, under, you know, Daryl Morey. Um, so the Sixers should be looking better under Morey anyway. They've kind of gotten rid of Horford. They've retooled their lineup a little bit. They get Danny Green. Um, Seth Curry's just going to jack up threes in that offense. Like, they're going to probably use him very similar to, like, a J.J. Redick-type player um, to space for Embiid and Simmons. And then – like, you know, you're going to have Danny Green, too, but he's not quite the player Seth Curry is on offense either. So I think he's going to have plenty of opportunities this year in a starting role, whereas he was kind of in more of a bench role. Uh, so you can see an uptick in his stats. I think you should definitely buy low on him right now because he could surprise some people this year. Um Zach, I know you didn't really get a lot of prep for this question beforehand. Do you have any guys you think are like kind of like sleeper type breakout yeah. players this year? I like like he's. I've never played. You know, it's funny that we're doing a backseat GM podcast where you're a GM and fantasy basketball. You're a GM, but I've never played fantasy basketball. But um, I think off the top of my head, a guy like Christian Wood 
I don't know where he's going in drafts, but Christian Wood could definitely be seen a lot of shots, especially Harden leaves on your bench when a potential Harden transaction comes around. Uh, also, with uh, Lamarcus Aldridge coming back, you know, I think Lamarcus Aldridge is like a twenty, I don't know, twenty nine and one guy. Like he's a guy who fills up the stat sheet. Just try to find a guy who fills up stat sheets and um, Della Vadova if he. You know, he's on the East. <laughs> so can't I think that. I think Aldridge can't forget. So I think Aldridge and Christian Wood are some, and maybe maybe Al Horford. Maybe Al Horford sees a lot of touches in the great state of Oklahoma. So yeah, I mean, I think Horford will have a better year for sure. But I don't know like how fantasy basketball relevant he is, just because he doesn't score a ton. He's more of like a defensive like glue guy type, like even on the Celtics, he wasn't like a monster. So, but Aldridge definitely, I think, gets underrated just in general. So, I mean, I don't know how popular he is in the fantasy basketball, like, community as a player because, you know, some players, I'm sure, like, I mean, Zach Levine gets a lot more love in fantasy basketball than he would in the regular NBA just from a, you know, putting up stats type standpoint. So, I mean, yeah, I think those are great picks. Uh, I think we can move I on. What, I oh, think Westbrook should probably Westbrook should be on everyone's list to draft. Like he's just a popular pick. So many numbers. Yeah. Maybe Kevin Love. Maybe Kevin Love coming back. I don't know. I just don't know where these guys are at. We're not qualified to answer this question, Sam. But hopefully, we provided some helpful tips for you to beat Ben in your guys' league. Hopefully, we don't lose you beer money, Sam. Yeah. Uh, yeah, let's move on to our next segment of the program, uh, the bargain bin. Uh, after kind of having a little mini bargain bin earlier, uh, I think <laughs> I'll, I'll go first since since you did your your little mini one beforehand, and then we can go into yours after mine. So this is a kind of a, a quicker one. Uh, who do you think the top five players in the league were this past season in player impact estimate? So for those of you who don't know, player impact estimate, uh, a.k.a. PI, is basically like PER, uh, except it takes into account more defensive stats. Um, so it's kind of like PER in the sense where it is an accumulation of like all box score stats, but this one takes more defensive stuff into it. So who do you think the top five guys were this past season, Zach, defense and offense stat-wise? Okay. Um, I've never – I'm usually a PER guy. I'm, never, I'm not usually a pie guy. But um, let's see, Anthony Davis? Anthony Davis is seventh, so not quite top five, but okay, close. Okay, we'll count it. We'll count Top five guys in the top ten, so five guys in general. Okay, I got one. Um, and then Kawhi, Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard is number five on the list. So he, he comes in at 19.1. Uh, for reference, 23.9 is the top of the list. And it's not okay. that close. Um, let's say Giannis. Giannis is the top, 23.9. So the next Obviously. closest guy is 19.8 on this. So it's, it's really close in two through four range. Yeah, Giannis is probably like the most dominant on both sides of the ball uh, player in the league last year. So, yeah. um, LeBron? LeBron is number two. 
Even though he didn't play a whole lot of defense last year, uh, his offense still definitely made up for it. He definitely defensive game with you know the season before without Anthony Davis. Like he was like he stepped up his game. It's it's easy to step it up when you know Kyle Kuz was pushing you in a defender. So it's pretty easy to step up your game from there. Um, so I got four out of the five. You got three out of the five so far. You you've named Kawhi, Giannis, and LeBron. You got Anthony wrong. I think it's wrong, per se. Um, okay, one of these guys is a clear like. I mean, I mean, they're both like top players in the league, but one of them's a little bit higher on the rung than the other one. You might not think of as much. Um, I want to say James Harden, but I don't know how much James Harden's like. sixth actually in between uh, and Davis. So. Right again. Doesn't I'm killing this. I'm five, for, I'm five for fucking five. <laughs> I mean, top ten, maybe. Name, name five of the top hundred players. In this. <laughs> Good job. Okay. okay I'll, give you uh, I'll give you a hint. One of these guys, you wouldn't think of for defense at all, so just take that out of the equation completely. So his offense makes up that much more than the lack of defense, and it puts him in the top five here. Say Trey Young or Luka Doncic. Luka Doncic, Trey Young does not sniff the top ten. <laughs> okay. Luka Doncic coming in third behind LeBron at nineteen point four. Now the next guy, the only the only remaining guy on this list, is also at nineteen point four in fourth. So I guess they're kind of tied for third technically, but okay. right here, what I'm looking at, it has in fourth. So. Okay. It doesn't help. It doesn't help. You You're probably read. not going to think of this guy. I bet. I bet I bet you won't. I'll give you three guesses here before I tell you. Three guesses and no hints. That's the way that Ben okay, okay, one hint. One hint. <laughs> okay. Okay. Definitely you think of this guy for defense. As well as offense. Lou Dort. Strike one. <laughs> oh damn it. Um Um Gobert? I mean No, not Gobert. Uh P.J. Tucker. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Does it count? Think, think of think of good players. Uh, in the NBA, Zach. Uh, Paul George. No. Uh, no. Uh, no. Uh, Jokic. Okay. Nope. All right. That was three. That, that was oh. that was four okay. counting Ludor. Five Joel Embiid is number four on this list. Oh, oh. He's, okay. I mean, he's, he's great. He's a good player, great player. But, I mean, I just didn't expect him to come in fourth. But the defense, I mean, speaks for itself with him. So, kind of interesting. You don't think of efficiency? No, not as much. Uh, on his worst nights. But on his best nights. Yeah, on his best nights, player. he's dominant. So. No doubt. He's the best player in the East on his best nights. Um, so my oh. bargain. <laughs> Sorry, you <laughs> choked on my Einstock uh, Arctic Pale Ale here. Um, go on. Uh, my bargain, Ben. Um, I was trying to do a Peja uh, Clay Thompson comparison, but I, I didn't. I couldn't figure out NBA.com's player comparison. I, I like using their player comparison for a lot of things, so I decided to use two current day players um, for what the purposes that I was trying to do here. Um, okay, so I want to give you a hint right off the bat. They play on the same team. So one of them, 
averages 20 points per game uh, last season, of course. 20 points per game, four assists, six rebounds, true shooting percentage of 62%, three-point percentage of 41%, um, net rating of 12.4, assist ratio of 1.93, and a two-point field goal percentage of 57.8. That's got to be Chris Middleton. It's exactly Chris Middleton. Let's go. That was that was pretty impressive, um, and it's less impressive because I gave you the answer. You know, um, I didn't. I didn't. For the five people that are listening right now, um, Ben got that right off the bat. And that's just how much of a Chris Middleton stan I am. You shouldn't be. That's after <laughs> this moment. So the next player on the same team, <laughs> nine points a game, two assists, five rebounds, which is only one less than Chris Middleton. A true shooting percentage of 56%, three-point percentage of 4%. But assist ratio, assist uh, ratio 1.71, and a two-point field goal percentage of 56%. They play on the same team this year or last year? This team. Yeah, sure. Sure. Wait, what? So this year, this current year, the upcoming year, they're going to be on the same team? And uh, and last year as well. That's your oh, okay. Right okay, so nine points, two assists, five rebounds. Uh, that, oh, and also I forgot to say a net rating of 12.2. Is this Pat Connington? No, he didn't uh, score that much. No. George Hill? No, not George Hill. Five rebounds. And um, a net rating of 12. Well, actually, George, it wouldn't be George Hill if he was on this team this year, too. Um, hmm. Not Brooke Lopez, right? No. Hmm. Hmm. You're, the closest guess so far was Pat Compton. Nine points. Oh, is it Dante? Dante. Okay. But I didn't I didn't realize Dante scored that many points per game. That kind of threw me off. My whole point here was you don't need to be paying Chris as much as you need. So get Chris out of town. Give Dante more minutes. Dante's shooting percentage is only six less. What's six out of in the whole grand scheme of things? Three point percentage is only seven less. And yeah, he, he only has only has half his points per game too. Half of his assist totals. So. Yeah, because he's playing half the minutes. So um, Bud is playing him a ton. He's playing like that two rating, thirds of the minutes minimum of Chris Middleton. No, uh, net rating of twelve. And what I found interesting is that Chris Middleton's call of fame is his mid range, and Dante's mid range is a little less. I couldn't quite get that right on NBA.com, but we'll go with two point field goal percentage. There's only two. His two point field goal percentage in total, not just mid. And Chris Middleton. So that's. The, Consider moving back to your Mark Budenholzer. <laughs> so, as you uh, could tell, this bargain bin was not as well researched as it could have been. Um, but um, yeah, Zach, I was Zach was too back. busy talking to Bumble Girls then to do his homework for this episode, so he had to no. go with the Chris Middleton Dante DiVincenzo comparison. So, apologize to our five listeners for that. Let's but, uh, play now four now. I'll, I'm going to blame Sap. That powers uh, NBA.com's website for not having data that goes back further than 2010. Okay. Okay. All right. Uh, moving on to the final portion of our 
episode today. The Transaction Traffic Report. Part of the show is that were you just doing a little thing there? A little theme music? I'll leave it in. I'll leave it in for you. I'll doing a little air horn. Oh, okay. I, I mean, you could make up a theme song on the spot if you want right now. It's the Hot Transaction Hot. Traffic Report. <laughs> The part of the show where we talk about notable transactions. <laughs> oh, all right. What do we got right. then? There, there's not a lot of uh, not a lot of transactions to report this week, but you know we did the best Aww. with what we have here. Um, no, I shouldn't say this. This one off the bat here is huge impact. Uh, Mavericks legend JJ oh. Barea is being released from the team. No, not JJ. Yeah, JJ, JJ the jet plane is is flying south for the winter. Uh, <laughs> it's going to Mexico for a vacation. Uh, reportedly still hoping to make an NBA comeback this season at age 36, though. So, you know, maybe uh, maybe contender will pick up old JJ for a little you know, third-string point guard minutes. Bucks could always use another... Another ball handler. Someone picks up JJ over over <laughs> Delhi. That's atrocious. <laughs> the Mavericks should have just kept him and just like said, "Hey, we'll give you assistant coaching job if you just retire." Maybe yeah. they did that. I don't know. Well, he says he wants to play still. So, well, it's actually, fire. I heard Pau Gasol is trying to make a comeback again. Which yeah. is, I mean, I love Pau, but. He was literally a he was a stiffer version of Ursan on the Bucks when he whenever he played. So yeah. I think I think he should just wrap it up. He was an assistant coach on the Warriors, wasn't he? Like this past season, he was an assistant coach somewhere. I think it was it was somewhere. I it was he was an assistant coach, I think. Um, no, it was the Blazers. Sorry, not the Warriors. Trailblazers. Assistant coach. I think he he was play, he played on the he like was traded to the Blazers, and they just made him a coach. I think that's how that worked. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, but that's that's some sad news for old JJ. Um, he's, a real, he's a real Bucks killer in his prime. I remember nobody can cover him. Useless, useless in 2K. Worst player in 2K. JJ Barrea. I'm glad that's your frame of reference. Uh, <laughs> it's my frame also- of reference for a lot of players, though, so I can't blame you. <laughs> um, I'm all for the comeback. I hope he doesn't get Jared Dudley minutes. I hope he's actually like able to play some basketball. And uh, it'd be cool to see Gasol and the whole like bringing back the Lakers, you know, part of some Laker dynasty back. And I'm all for it. All right, what's next? Next up on the transaction traffic reports, uh, bit of news here: former Warriors first round pick. Jacob Evans, oh, waived by the Knicks. Not, not Jacob Evans. <laughs> yeah, uh, not a huge, uh, not a huge transaction here. But Mark Spears and Bobby Marks did point out that the next ten picks in that draft, where the Warriors uh, selected Jacob Evans, consisted of Eliakobo, Jalen Brunson, Devontae Graham, Mitchell Robinson, Gary Trent Jr., and DeAnthony Melton. So. Um, <laughs> the, uh, the Warriors listening a little bit too much to J- Draymond Green. I think he was the guy who wanted uh, Jacob Evans in that draft. 
Can we confirm that? I, I've already confirmed it from my Twitter sources. So, uh, oh, okay. <laughs> Good enough. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then our last bit of news, a uh, little bit of a follow-up from last week's transaction traffic reports. LeBron does confirm that Bronny's draft eligibility in 2024-2023 was indeed a factor in the length of his contract extension with the Lakers. He said that, I like to keep my options open. Mm. That'd be awesome. That'd be pretty fun. Awesome. You know, that does go a little bit against what LeBron said about he wants to be a Laker for the rest of his career. But, you know, maybe the Lakers will pick up Bronny somehow. You know, Bronny's a hell of a player, but um, it's going to be interesting to see how it develops and depends on if he's going to be, you know. He's probably going to get hate no matter what just because he's LeBron's son. He's not going to be able to live up to that, like, mantle. You know, no matter if he, like, turns out to be a solid player, like – it's always going to be, like, haters saying that he's, you know, not – he's a bust or something. No doubt. Um, yeah, I just wish him the best. I hope he continues to develop. He's a hell of a player. Um, you know, you watch those that year, Wade, and um, Bronny highlights on the Blazers. <laughs> Bronny's on the Blazers. Wouldn't wouldn't you kind of hate though if you were if you were Brownie and like you finally get to like go out on your own and then your first job your dad is like a coworker of yours. <laughs> they have a great relationship, um, but you know Brownie won't be playing for Le- with LeBron that long. I think LeBron's the kind of player that can kind of do like a Tom Brady role where he can depends on how Le- I was actually telling Noel this a couple of weeks ago the guy who uh, our Friend of the very close friend of the pod, um, that LeBron can kind of depend on how he wants his, his final years to be. He can stay in the league. He can average 10, 10, 10. Like he could average, he could just kind of play that kind of John Stockton role on the Jazz at the end of his career where he's just kind of just feeding Bronny the ball. Like he could do that. Or he could just kind of retire off the sense that he's a coach of the Lakers and just coach, <laughs> coach Bronny. So I think it's up to LeBron how he kind of wants to handle the rest end of his career. And he's a good enough player that he can still be effective. Um, Who do you I, think? Go, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. No, um, who do you think will be the better uh, late stage career player, Wizards MJ or Bronny LeBron? I think. I think. Uh, well, uh, Wizards MJ gets a bad rap. I mean, the dude averaged twenty points a game. He he could still drop forty every every you know couple months. Didn't he average uh, 20 a game off the bench, too? Wasn't he, like, playing off the bench or something? Some, I don't think he started every game. Um, and there was a game where he dropped 40 on Kobe, and then Kobe, he told Kobe, this is also on a, a podcast where Gilbert Arenas was talking. He told Kobe, you'll never be able to fill those shoes because Kobe wore some Jordans. And then the next game, Kobe had 50 at halftime. <laughs> he got, like, 48 at halftime and finished, like, 58 for the game. Um I think the I th- my I'm going to talk about this on the next podcast, and it's going to be one of my my errant grievances. But it's has to do with MJ's retirement, and that's all. These- I think MJ gets a bad rap. But I think LeBron would be better late in his career. Hmm. All right. I, I mean, yeah, I don't really have a strong opinion either way. I think 
late MJ was still like a very good player. We'll see how LeBron yeah. ages. But it seems like seems like LeBron is aging like a fine wine, like one of those one of those fine wines he always sipping on. So we'll see. I, I think LeBron definitely has the potential to be better than Laker MJ for sure at the rate he's going with his you know. He definitely takes care of his body better than MJ, <laughs> if we're being but honest. Late, so. late career MJ made an all-star team and made a shot to force that okay, all-star well, team in over. Let, let's take that with a grain of salt because late career Dirk and late career Dwayne Wade made an all-star team. So. Did they make a shot in the game to force overtime? I, I don't know. I don't know, Zach. Oh, they didn't, Ben. Okay. Something to think about. That is something to think about. Uh, he averaged, ben, he averaged 23 in 2001-2002, and he averaged 20 in 2002-2003. I'm and saying he's like, a good player. He's a really good player. He's a good player. And right. five assists. He averaged 23. He averaged 23, five and, five and six. Oh, LeBron's still averaging MVP numbers in year 30-whatever. 30. Yeah. He's at the age of 36. You're like 20 or something like that. You're 17. So, no, you're yeah. 17. You're interesting. Nah. Anyway, um, that wraps it up for yeah. this week's episode of the podcast. Wraps it up with Ben just shaming Lake career MJ. Literally, he was saying he's a great player. <laughs> um, you can find us on the socials uh at backseat gm pod on instagram and twitter um right now we're still waiting on apple music because they're dragging their feet or not apple music sorry apple podcast uh to get our feed up there but once we do we'll definitely let you know on those social channels uh right now we're available on spotify thanks thank you all for listening and thank you zach oh ben thank you man you're welcome, Zach. <laughs> Cue that music.